Let me invite you to take your Bible today. Uh, as you know, I've been in the book of Samuel for a few weeks, but today we're going to take a little break from 1 Samuel, and I want to invite you to turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. 1 Peter over in the New Testament, the fifth chapter. I don't know why I feel led to be drawn back to this particular passage this morning, but I want to speak to you for the next little while, kind of a topical subject this morning rather than expositional. We're going to look at what to do with your troubles, uh, what to do with your troubles, something that I believe we all can relate to when we talk about trouble. Job said, man that is born of woman is of a few days and we don't just experience a little trouble. Job said, we're full of trouble. Every turn of the corner, every step of life brings a new trouble, brings a new difficulty that we are engaged with or have to encounter. So today we want to look at what to do with your troubles. I want to read, uh, beginning in verse number 6, go all the way through verse 11, but we're going to kind of camp out on verse number 7, but I want you to get the flow of Simon Peter's words to some Christians who were going through some terrible difficulty. Notice what he writes in chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect or mature, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So may God add his blessings today as we look at what to do with your troubles. There was a young girl dealing with body image. She tried to stay busy. She tried to occupy her mind with busyness around the house to distract her, herself. But a large chunk of her attention was directed toward the telephone that for whatever reason just did not seem to ring. And in her mind, she's thinking about the young man whom she had a, a deep crush on who seemed to not be interested in her. And all she could ask herself is, what's wrong with me? Why do I look the way I look? Why are things happening in my life the way they are? And is he, he going to find somebody else? Will I ever have anybody to share my life with? That young girl dealt with real troubles that sometimes young people face. A man drove home from work one day, but his mind was not on his traffic. His mind was on the job because his boss really hadn't spoken to him in a couple of weeks with any kind of meaningful conversation. And this man's mind just goes to places where he's thinking, maybe the boss is not satisfied with my, my work. Maybe he is not happy with my effort. Maybe he has found a replacement for me. Maybe I'm going to lose my job and he just can't bring himself to tell me that. A woman turned off the lights in her empty house and she's preparing for bed every creak of a floorboard, every bush that the wind would blow against the window would send shivers down her spine. She's terrified about being alone. Or how about a young teenager walking through the hallway of a new school, hearing other kids over in the side of the, the hallway and they're laughing about just kids' stuff, 
But this young man is sure and he's convinced they're laughing about him. All of us have insecurities. All of us deal with insecurities from time to time, and those insecurities can be magnified in those times that we are weak, those times we are weary, and those times when we are wayward. Those times that we are weak, we need God's help to strengthen us, do we not? Those times we are weary, we need God to come alongside us and encourage us. Those times that we are wayward, we really need God and His Holy Spirit to sanctify us, give us confidence, and give us courage, even in the midst of troubles that may be real or troubles that are, that are just imagined. Some troubles are very, very real. Not too long ago, I read the story of a pastor and his wife who had talked to their college daughter at about 11 o'clock at night. They had talked to her on the telephone. They said, good night, honey. We will talk to you again later on in the week. That was about 11 o'clock at night. By 5 o'clock that morning, a knock came to the door, and it was a police officer who had the sad duty of saying to this pastor and his wife, there has been a violent crime for which your daughter was, uh, was brutally murdered. She was sexually assaulted and she was murdered. This is a true story. And that would just break anybody's heart. The perpetrator soon was arrested. He faced trial. He was convicted. Um, and, but the couple was full of anger. This pastor and his wife was full of bitterness and rage. They wanted to get even with this man. They wanted this man to face justice as any of us would. And they said that it just did something to them and touched them in a way that nothing had ever touched them before. But they later said, as they worked their way through this crisis, they developed their, in their own hearts their new definition for forgiveness. To them it came to this. Listen to what they said. Forgiveness is giving up to God my desire to be angry and to get even. The pastor's wife said, several places in the Bible we are told, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But I always thought that meant God was going to get even for me. What it came to mean was that God was going to carry the problems that I could not handle. I had to let God carry the load of anger and bitterness and vengeance because it was simply too big for me. Perhaps today you find yourself loaded down with cares and troubles of life. Maybe not to the degree of this dear pastor and his wife, but you still have those burdens that occupy your mind. You have the, still have those worries and those anxieties that cause you to toss and turn at night and those unresolved conflicts that just seem to cause your sleep to escape from you. So for the next little while today, what I want us to do is look at God's Word and see what He has to say about what to do with your troubles. What to do with your troubles. Everybody who came into this building today, you've got troubles. The one standing behind this pulpit, I have troubles. There's an old saying that says, if all of our troubles were hanging on the line, you'd take yours and I'd take mine. Troubles are part of life. Jesus says, in this world, he said, you will have what? Trouble. He said, but be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. So today, what do we do with our troubles? Number one, I want you to look as we move through this. Number one is cast your troubles, don't carry them. Notice verse number seven. Peter writes, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Look at that word cast. King James uses the word casting. Some translations are simply cast. It's from a Greek word that was used of throwing a blanket on the back of a donkey. 
You know, it's only used one other time in all of the New Testament, this Greek word. Only used one other time, and that was at the triumphal entry of Jesus uh, that, uh, that initiated Passion Week. Here we are just a few weeks away from Easter and a few weeks away from from Palm Sunday, when Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the Bible says that the disciples and others put down their cloaks and their outer garments uh, in the roadway, and then some of them put their garments, their outer tunic, on the back of the donkey as kind of a saddle for Jesus. That's the same word that is used here to cast. It is to take the, the burdens from your back and to cast it on somebody else, i.e. here, to cast it on the Lord. So when, the, when Peter writes, cast all of your care on the Lord, what imagery as you see those disciples take off their coat and they cast that coat on the back of a donkey. The idea is to rid yourself of what causes you to have a divided mind or to be worried. So cast all of your concern, all of your worries, all of those things that we can't fix, we cast those concerns on the Lord. So let me ask you right now, right here today, what is your, or what are your primary concerns? What are your primary worries this morning? What are your primary troubles this morning? When you cast your care on the Lord, you're attempting to remove it from you and to place it on Him. Because trouble is a way of life. It always has been and it always will be. Let me show you what the uh, recipients of Simon Peter's letter were dealing with. Turn over to chapter 1 and look in verse number 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes these words. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith to salvation, ready to be revealed uh, in the la last time. Now notice wherein you greatly rejoice. That is, we celebrate all that he said in verses 3 and 4 and 5. Though now, look at this, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. The trial of your faith, the trouble that you're dealing with, the heartbreak that you feel like is going to grind you to powder, he says, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory through the appearing of Jesus Christ. Go over to chapter 2 and look in verse 20. For what glory is it if when you are beaten or buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if... When you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patient, patiently, this is acceptable with God. Meaning the struggles are always going to be there. Move over one more chapter to chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Go to chapter 4, look in verse uh, 12. That was, uh, I give you, gave you that, right? 317, I may have said the wrong passage, but it's chapter 3, verse 17. Now go to chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened. You know what he's saying there? Don't be surprised when you have trouble. 
You know, I read that and I've been a pastor for a long time. But it still seems like when trouble comes, it comes out of nowhere. And it's surprising. And I know the scripture says, don't don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange when these fiery trials and troubles come your way. After all, we are living in a fallen world. We're a fallen person ourselves. We, We traffic with fallen people. We deal with that all the time. So the Bible says, don't be surprised or don't think it's odd or unusual when trouble comes your way. It is simply going to be part of life. The issue is, What do I do with that trouble when it comes into my life? Go to chapter 5 and look in verse number 10. I read this already this morning. But the God of grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Notice that. That'd be all right if that passage wasn't in there, wouldn't it? Or at least those, those three words. Wouldn't it be great if you could read the God of Uh, of grace who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus will make you perfect and strengthen you. But that's not what it says. It says after you have suffered, after you've gone through these trials, after you've gone through these troubles, it is simply a way of life. It is the common thread that runs throughout the book of 1 Peter. He starts it with trouble. He concludes it with trouble. And every single one of us, we have been transformed by the power of Christ if you're a Christian. And we celebrate that. And because of that, listen, our past has been forgiven. Our future is secure. But right now, we're on a battlefield. Do you know that? That's why he says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil. Walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't ever forget, the world is not our home here. We're passing through. And as we pass through, we're going to encounter problems. We're going to, we're going to encounter issues for which it seems as though there is no way to resolve this and there are no answers to address what I'm going through. That is just going to happen in a fallen world. Sometimes we get disappointed. We may get disappointed in issues. We may get disappointed in people. We get disappointed in life itself or how it works out. And there are times you may think the entire world is just against you. That's the world in which we live. You become the target of someone's criticism. And listen, words hurt, do they not? And you become the target of somebody else's criticism. Or maybe your health is not what it used to be, and you worry about that. Or you've got a child that maybe they're, 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 they've moved away to the military, or maybe they're in college, and they're no longer under your roof, and every day you can't help but to be concerned about them. Many of us have been there, right? All of these worries of life are just a part of life, and there's no way that we can deal with all of that just in our own strength. The Lord doesn't want us to because it'll cause frustration, it'll lead to defeat, uh, it'll lead to disappointment. So what we have to do is to take all of those things that are outside of our control and say, God, I recognize in life there are things bigger than me, but there's nothing larger than you, and I'm just going to give this to you. And I want you to take care of this, and God, I'm just going to ask you to address this. Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom wrote a book entitled My Father's House. And she told the story of her life before the Nazi death camps. In fact, Corey Ten Boom's sister died in one of those death camps, if you remember her story. But she ended the book this way the very last page, the very last sentence. 
by quoting something that her father had often said to her that she never forgot, and this is the quote. When Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, he leads you through your whole life. And when Jesus leads you through your life, he brings you home safely. She said she had never forgotten those words that her dad had spoken into her life, even as a young girl, and how that sustained her during the horrors of the Nazi concentration camp. That Jesus will walk through life with you. That he will hold you by the hand and that he will safely bring you home. So Simon Peter begins this part of the, of the passage by saying, cast all of your care, like the disciples throwing their garment on the donkey. Cast all of your care on the Lord. If you could use that word cast as an acronym, C-A-S-T. C is simply claim the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, do you think God would love you enough to send his son to die for you and then not love you enough to see you through the journey of life? Every step of the, day, of the way, he's with you. So claim his death, his glorious resurrection, and walk in that. In fact, I believe, I believe the death of Jesus on the cross is proof positive of God's love for us. The fact that God raised him from the dead is proof positive of his infinite matchless love for us. So claim that. C-A is ask. Listen. Let me ask you, how, how are things with your prayer life? When we're going through troubles, <clears throat> even when we're not going through troubles, but especially in troubles, I would encourage you to sincerely ask God to help you through those heartaches. Do you know the Bible says we have not because we, what? Ask not. Why is it so hard to ask? Because I think in our, we believe in our human strength. Oh, I can just work it out. I can take care of this. I can solve it. And the entire time, God is like, here I am. Just throw it to me. So we have to ask God. God, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us direction in how to deal with this. So we ask God to help us. C-A-S. And that is surrender. What do I mean by surrender? Now let me ask you. See if it's hard to pray a prayer like this. <clears throat> When there's, if there's an issue that you face and you know how you want it to work out, <clears throat> is it not difficult to say, Lord, you just have your will in this? <laughs> you know, what we want to say is, Lord, you have, have my will in this. This is what I want to see happen. This is how I want to see it happen. This is when I want to see it happen. But what we really have to do is come to the place in our life where that trouble that is such a part of us, we just surrender that and say, God, here it is. You work it out in accordance with your will. You remember Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was faced with the prospects of going to the cross of Calvary and for the first time being separated from God the Father. And he prayed, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But in the end, he said, not my will, but your will. That is surrender. And that's what we have to do, regardless of how passionate we may believe <clears throat> we want something to turn out. We have to say, God, I know you know the beginning from the end. So I ask for your will in this. And then finally, C-A-S-T, trust. Trust. We claim, we ask, we surrender, and we just trust God with it. 
That's not always easy to do, again, because of our human nature. But you know, the Bible says without faith, listen, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what we do when we're trusting, we're just simply placing our faith in God, saying, Lord, I know that in your time and in your way and in your will, you're going to take care of this in a way that you know what is best, but we'll never get there unless we surrender and cast all of that care on the Lord, knowing that he cares for us. I remember the first time I read the little story written by Mary Stevenson. You may not know that name, but you certainly will know the story that she wrote, a poem or a little story entitled Footprints. It's old, but so am I. So listen to what it says, all right? One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints, and other times there were one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, Lord, you promised me that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there had been only one set of footprints in the sand. Why? When I needed you most, you have not been there for me. The Lord replied, the times when you have seen only one set of footprints in the sand is when I carried you. God is faithful if we trust him, if we surrender to him, if we ask him to help us, and if we just claim his death and his resurrection. So notice, cast like a garment on the back of a donkey or a camel. Cast all your troubles. Notice the next phrase, all your care. Cast all of your care. Look at that word all. You know what it means in the Greek? It means all. It means everything that worries you and burdens you and troubles you. Cast all of that on the Lord. Some translations use the word anxiety when it says cast all your anxiety on the Lord. Some translations use the word worry. Cast all of your worries on the Lord. It's actually from an old English word that means to seize by the throat and to strangle. Isn't that imagery? Cast all of those things that wants to, want to choke the life out of you. You take all of those things And you give it to the Lord. The Phillips translation says it this. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. Chuck Swindoll said this. Worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. It's so true, isn't it? Our worries of life can strangle the life out of you. No matter how you read it, God extends the invitation to all of us. Take your worries, take your anxieties, take your cares, take your burdens, and give them to me. Because it has been said, worry is like a rocking chair. It's always in motion, but it never gets anywhere. We cast all of your care. Look at uh, where we cast that. Cast all your care upon him. And working through this, and we've looked at this passage and these passages in Peter's many time, Peter many times before, 
But in reading through this, I could not help but to be convinced, or excuse me, convicted about the times that I've worried about things that I shouldn't be worried about. Times that I have let, times that I have let the struggles or the worries of life take the joy out of what God really wanted to do through me and in me. And that's the devil's plan for all of us. We take all of our care, all of those anxiety, and we cast them on the Lord. Remember the song, and since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord because he will sustain you and he will never let the righteous fall. And that is because the Lord cannot fail. Listen, when you cast what bothers you on him, it's not as though he can't carry it. It's not as though he wants to give it back to you. He's willing to take that. Desires for us to give him that. Because when he carries our load, it gives him glory. And we recognize the strength that God has to take all of this from us. Listen, when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, you remember that? 40 days of, and 40 nights when Jesus was fasting and he concluded that fast, Satan comes to tempt him. And the first method of temptation was to turn these stones into bread. And then to fall down and worship him and, and then to cast himself off the temple. But all the temptations that Jesus faced, he did not fail. When it came time to feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, imagine how overwhelming that would be to take a little boy's lunch, a few pieces of fish, a few pieces of bread, and feed 5,000 hungry hearts and hungry stomachs. But at the end of the day, Jesus did not fail. When the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, and they had rowed until their backs were burning with anguish. And they knew they were going to die. And they finally wake up Jesus and said, Lord, save us. And he stood on the bow of that boat and rebuked the wind. And the Bible says there was calm. Jesus did not fail. When he set his face toward Jerusalem and he went to the cross of Calvary, he endured the wrath of God poured out upon him. And he bore in his body the sin debt of the world. Jesus did not fail. And on Easter Sunday, when the light of resurrection power illuminated that grave, Jesus came out in resurrection form and did not fail. He will never fail. He can never fail. Listen, Joshua 23, God's promises never fail. 1 Kings 8, not one word has failed of all that God has said. Lamentations 3, his compassion never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, his love never fails. Our troubles may seem large, but none of those troubles are larger than the Lord because he never fails. And sometimes we just have to get on our knees and tell God what we, we, what we need and remind ourselves of the unfailing love of God. And we hand the worries of life over to him. And you know, I've discovered when we do this, that his peace replaces those troubles. I've really sensed that in my own life many times in that you try to give it to the Lord <clears throat> and it's not like the problem goes away <clears throat> or that magically the problem is solved or fixed. But what happens is 
the anxiety is removed and a peace that passes understanding moves in. That's what he means. Cast all of your care on him because he cares enough to take the anxieties and to give you his peace that passes understanding. It's not just positive thinking. It's not just having a positive type, kind of a personality that, that, that we would want to have. No, it is the work of God to take from us those troubles and to give to us his peace that passes understanding. Let me ask you, why in the world would we cling to the problems of life when we can give them to the Lord? That's a good question, isn't it? Why would we hold on to what we can give to the Lord? So, Simon Peter says, cast your troubles, don't carry them. Number two, trust the Lord with your struggles. All the struggles of life, trust God. Surrender those troubles to Him. And then number three, and I believe this is the key for us as we move through this this morning. Number three, accept God's love for you. Sometimes we think God's working for others, but he's forgotten about me. That's never the case. Just accept God's love for you. Sometimes in life we feel like we've got to go it alone because we think we are alone. Jonathan Edwards, who one morning preached up in Connecticut to launch, really, historians tell us the first great awakening, one of the greatest sermons of all time called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it was recorded that as Jonathan Edwards preached that something supernatural began to happen across the congregation. Folk began to squirm under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They began to weep and people began to be saved. And it really set out that first great awakening in America. His message was summed up in these few words. Now listen to this. Those without Christ are hanging by a slender thread over the fire of divine wrath. People don't talk like that anymore. But my goodness, notice again, those without Christ are hanging by a slender thread over the fire of divine wrath. And it seems as though our entire world, our entire culture is hanging by a slender thread over the fire of God's divine wrath. And we're not sure what's going to happen in life. Although we know, and I believe certainly, that we're living in the last days and it could be our generation that sees the return of Jesus Christ. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful not to have to go by the way of the grave, just to be raptured on into glory? But while we're in this world, sometimes we reach the end of our rope, and we might feel like we are hanging by a slender thread over that divine wrath of God. But no matter what happens in life, don't ever forget that God loves you with an infinite everlasting love. Why would he invite us to give, us, give him our burdens? Why would he invite us to cast our care upon him if he did not have an infinite love for us? No matter what your problems are, no matter how bleak your situation may look, he cares enough about you to heal your marital problems, to walk with you through your financial problems, to be there for you when you have health problems or relationship problems, employment problems, whatever it might be. Cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. God would not go to the trouble of sacrificing his own son, of allowing him to die on that cruel cross of Calvary if he didn't care enough about us to see us through this life. A number of years ago, I've shared this with you before, but it's so applicable here. A number of years ago, when my children were small, 
uh, we went to uh, Washington, D.C. for a few days of family vacation. And we wanted to tour some of the national monuments in our capital. And we went to the Lincoln Memorial and to Jefferson Memorial. And I uh, got to see the White House and the Capitol and a number of those things. And of all the places that speak to you about American history, uh, as a family, our favorite place was uh, Arlington National Cemetery. You've probably been there. Some of you have been there. And we got to witness the changing of the guard. And that is the most reverent, the most respectful, uh, the most moving, one of the most moving things that you would ever experience in all of your life. The reverence and the discipline uh, and the commitment of those who guard the tomb was truly extraordinary. Do you know that the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington Cemetery is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by guard sentinels and they, the, the tomb is never unguarded. Again, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year in any weather. The guards at the tomb spend five hours a day preparing their uniforms to get them ready. Once they're on duty, the guard sentinel marches 21 steps down a black mat behind the tomb, and then he turns faces east for 21 seconds and then turns and faces north for 21 seconds and then takes 21 steps back down the black mat and it repeats the process. Why 21 steps? Because it represents the military's highest honor of a 21-gun salute to the unknown soldier. There's a tradition among the guards <clears throat> that serve at the tomb that whenever they salute a commissioned officer, they say in a loud voice, Line 6, sir. And that is a reference to line six in the Sentinel's Creed. And in 99 words, this creed captures what it means to be a guard at the tomb. And this is what it says. My dedication to this sacred duty is total and wholehearted. It is the responsibility bestowed upon me. Never will I falter. And with dignity and perseverance, my standard will remain perfection. Through the years of diligence and praise and the discomfort of elements, I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is he who commands the respect I protect, his bravery that made us proud. Surrounded by well-meaning crowds by day, alone in the thoughtful place of night, this soldier will in honor glory rest under my eternal vigilance. In 2003, when Hurricane Isabel came through the East Coast and uh, Congress um, uh, adjourned uh, while the hurricane was coming through, the guards were given permission to leave their post, but none of them would do that. And through the rain and the wind of Hurricane Isabel, they kept marching by the tomb of the unknown soldier that, that as a, as a sentinel, sentinel uh, for them. You and I... Whatever we go through in life, we have a, a sentinel who marches by our side, the Lord Jesus. He's always there in whatever kind of weather, whatever kinds of trouble, whatever kinds of issues in life. He never leaves us. He always walks with us. And with his eternal vigilance, listen, he'll see us through all the troubles of life. Cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So listen, what do you do with your troubles? 
don't worry about them. We give them to God. We don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there. God promises to be with us no matter what, no matter what tomorrow is like. So we trust, we depend. And like the disciples who would cast their garment on the donkey, we cast all of the troubles, the anxieties, and the worries of life on our Lord, and he sees us through. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you do not leave us, that you do not fail, that you do not falter, that you do not desert us in our times of need. And God, we are so grateful that you have instructed us what to do with our troubles. We give them to you. We just give them to you, and we know that you will see us through. So, Lord, I don't know the trouble that everybody is in this place is dealing with today, but I know that you do. And, God, I know that you're willing to take that, but we have to, we have to ask, and we have to surrender that to you, Lord, and we have to trust you to take it. So, Lord, I pray for those under the sound of my voice that may be loaded down with that kind of care today. God, that you would lift that from them, that you would step into their lives like that, of that sentinel that you are, and that you'd walk with them during these times as they cast their care upon you. Maybe there's someone here today that's never been saved or others who want to unite with our church family. Whatever need there might be this morning, God, I pray as we have this time of invitation that you'd speak to hearts and that you'd call people to yourself. We just love you so much. So take this invitation and use it as you see fit. In Christ's name, amen.